0: Welcome back to Caroline is Missing and Murdered. I'm Julie Calhoun.
1: And I'm Adriana Seals. And after a month long hiatus, we are back. Um, Caroline is Missing and Murdered is back. Uh, because of the COVID 19 pandemic, we had to stop recording the podcast um, and focus on helping the community and offering all of the information and everything that we could potentially learn about this virus and the pandemic to our News 13 viewers. Um, that took up a lot of time. Um, we've been covering it since March and it's still continuing, um, at least at this point. And now, with all of that, we get to wrap up the Heather Elvis case with this episode, right? So, if
0: you remember, Heather went missing on December 18th, 2013, she was just 20 years old. Investigators suspect Tammy and Cindy Moore were involved in her disappearance. Her body has never been found, and investigators have Presumed her dead. Now, at this point, it is June 2016. Sydney is charged with kidnapping and obstruction of justice in connection with Heather's disappearance. His first trial is just for the kidnapping charges, the obstruction of justice charges will be done separately. And this is when we really start to hear about Sydney, Tammy, and Heather. And during the trial, we do learn that Sydney and Heather were together.
2: They were involved in a
0: sexual relationship. Heather's co-workers took the stand and testified about Sydney and Heather's relationship. They testified to how Sydney and Heather met, to Heather's fearfulness of Tammy Moore and even changes they noticed when Sydney and Heather broke up. Uh, she was putting on weight you know, around the hip area and her belly. Prosecutors seem to suggest she might have been pregnant, and one of the women that Heather worked with said she took a pregnancy test at the restaurant. It
2: said error, and I went in into the office and looked up why a pregnancy set, test would say error, and it said that either it was inconclusive or she did not urinate on it enough.
1: We've talked about this before, right?
2: Right, and
0: prosecutors really tried to hone in on this during the trial. They said Sydney went to Walmart just hours before Heather's disappearance to buy a pregnancy test, and a sled agent found surveillance video from a Walmart with Sydney going in, buying a test, and also had a receipt which showed that he bought a pregnancy test and a cigar. The prosecution also brought up surveillance video from when investigators say Sydney called Heather from a payphone.
1: And this is the call that lasted about four minutes. Right, according
0: to phone records. And those phone records also show that Heather called that payphone number back repeatedly. She didn't know it it was a pay phone, and then she started calling Sydney's phone, and prosecutors say she and Sydney talked one more time at 3.17 a.m., but the last phone record from Heather's phone comes from Peachtree Boat Landing at 3.41 a.m. Then police showed surveillance video from a home and a business nearby Peachtree Landing. And one of those videos shows a vehicle driving down the highway at 339 in the morning. And then it shows the vehicle coming back in the opposite direction at 346.
1: So the prosecution has basically presented their evidence here at this point, right? The surveillance video of the vehicle in the middle of the night, the Walmart video, the payphone video but there's two sides to every story. So what did the defense say?
0: Well, the defense started to point the finger at someone else.
2: Who has motive to want to do something like this?
0: Sydney's attorney suggested repeatedly that Tammy might have kidnapped Heather or someone else, but not Sydney. And he pointed to text messages sent from Sydney's phone to Heather's phone, most of those are from November after Sydney's wife found out about the affair.
1: Oh, we talked about these text messages before.
0: Yes, text messages are a big piece of evidence and a big part of this entire case. And it goes to show that Tammy took Sydney's phone, is what investigators believe, I we're texting um, other people from it. Heather's roommate, Brie Warlman also testified that day that Heather was not afraid of Sydney, but she said Heather was afraid of his wife, Tammy. And prosecutors argued that Sydney was the one that lured Heather to the boat landing. Investigators say that Sydney did have a motive. Relationships end all the time. But the snag with this case was. The
3: pregnancy, this idea of I'm breaking it off and I'm going back to my family, you go back to your life, that's no longer available. That's not an option.
0: So Sydney obviously disagrees to what prosecutors have to say. And this is when things get really interesting because Sydney spoke with News 13 about this case. On June 21st, 2016, Sydney texted then News 13 reporter Taylor Hurlong saying he wanted to talk about the case.
1: Wait a second, isn't there a gag order on this case at this time?
0: There is, so technically he is breaking that gag order and he did go and talk to Taylor and he told her the pregnancy claim just shows that the prosecution is desperate and that if she was pregnant, it was biologically impossible that it's his baby.
3: She very well may have been pregnant. Um, I know that I didn't get her pregnant.
0: Sydney also commented on the surveillance video from inside of Myrtle Beach Walmart showing him buying a pregnancy test the night Heather went missing.
3: I was actually buying it for my wife. Um, she was in the vehicle when I bought it for her. Um, she took it that night, um, and it was negative like so many before and after.
0: Sydney said he and Tammy had been trying to get pregnant for a long time, and that night would not be the only one he was seen buying a pregnancy test.
3: I know the prosecution's desperate. They, they need um, a conviction, really, really bad. Um, but I think what they need more than that is they need truth. Um, they need to give the family a little peace, real peace. What really, really happened. Cindy
0: also said he felt the prosecution was trying to show a motive, but he said this when asked if he thought the statements in the new video would damage his case.
3: Not really so much damaging um as i guess maybe leading the jury into something to maybe try to get them to believe something that's not so
1: so if sydney says he and tammy were trying to get pregnant and that's why he was buying a pregnancy test my question is did tammy ever get pregnant i know that they have kids but i thought that their kids were older in 2016 like they're not newborns and they're not infants or maybe even under the age of two right all their children
0: are older and after the interview more shared documents with taylor showing that his wife was able to get pregnant after months of trying but that she later lost the baby
1: so why then did sydney choose to talk to News 13? Why did he reach out to Taylor Hurlong in the middle of his trial, knowing that there's the risk if you break the gag order? Like, what was that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And Taylor asked him, that exact same thing, and he said it was because of his wife. He felt like she had been brought into this case against her will, and he says, while he does not deny having a sexual relationship with Heather, he never bought a pregnancy test for anyone but his wife. Hmm. So on June 24th, 2016, a mistrial was declared in the kidnapping case against Sydney Moore. What? Yeah, it, there was a mistrial. And so basically that means that there was no guilty verdict and he was not acquitted. So, um, or a not guilty verdict. So they were able to try him again for that case.
1: Okay. So Sydney's first trial, at least had lots of surprises. one, The prosecution presented the whole, Heather was potentially pregnant as a possible motive Um, and then the mistrial and him talking to News 13, which still blows my mind. Um, What else happened in this case? Yeah, so That first trial brought out a
0: lot of new information to the forefront or into the public. Um, But again, there was a mistrial and it was going to be tried again. But in the meantime, two years later, Sydney's wife Tammy, her trial starts. She's also charged in this case uh, for conspiracy to kidnap Heather and for kidnapping Heather. And in her trial, the evidence presented in her case is very similar to Sydney's trial. Basically, a lot of the same evidence, a lot of the same people are taking the witness stand and the prosecution opens up that case telling jurors this is a circumstantial case but believes that the timeline is irrefutable. Okay. And this time, prosecutors lay out that Heather was terrified of Tammy and also lay out evidence that Tammy was controlling, bringing a family friend in to testify that she made Tammy get a tattoo with her name on it. And the prosecution also used phone records to show that Tammy took Sydney's phone after finding out about the affair and even texted other men from it.
1: We've talked, going back to text messages, we've talked about that aspect too, if I remember correctly, that. There were text messages that had appeared on Sydney's phone that weren't necessarily from Sydney and were texting like other the other men. I remember us talking about this in like the first or the second episode.
0: Yes, so and they read out all of those text messages in court and Those are some things that we cannot say on this podcast, but that is one of the points that prosecutors brought up was that after finding out about the affair, she took Sydney's phone and even texted other men from it. Mm. Um, Prosecutors also brought up the same timeline of events in the hours before Heather's disappearance the buying of a pregnancy text, the pay phone call. Heather you know, calling Sydney's phone, then leaving and going to Longbeards, uh, a a bar not far from her apartment, calling Sydney again, and that's when, you know, cell phone pings showing how they're moving to Peachtree Landing. And surveillance video, what investigators believe is the Morris truck going to the landing, and prosecutors believe that video and also the expert headlight witness during the trial were crucial to this case.
1: Okay. Um, quickly going back to the pregnancy test, um, Sydney told news 13 that he had bought the pregnancy test for his wife and that they were trying and that she lost the baby. Did that come up during Tammy's trial? It did, so
0: Tammy was arrested in February of 2014. An employee with both Loras Hospital and Calming Medical Center took the stand and each of them testified that Tammy was pregnant in late March and that she was six weeks pregnant at the time that she lost the baby in May. Mm -hmm. But one thing that was different from Sydney's trial is unlike Sydney, Tammy took the stand. What? Tammy decided to take the stand and while she was out there. She denied having anything to do with Heather's disappearance.
2: I want people to know the truth, and I too want Heather found. I think she deserves to be found. And I think they botched her case and didn't do justice for Heather.
0: Also, while Tammy was on the stand, things got a little tense between Tammy and Prosecutor Nancy Livesay. And who am I? Nancy, what you have said? You've been uh, miserable. Um, Am I allowed to ask
1: you a question? No way. No? Okay, sorry. I'm sorry.
0: And during her trial, there was another major turn of events. Her children broke a sequestration order by watching a live stream of the trial, which ended up with them not being allowed to take a stand for the defense.
1: So, can you explain what that order is and what it means?
0: So it's where a judge basically orders people to be sequestered. And in this case, uh, the judge ordered that those on the witness list were not allowed to sit in the courtroom during the trial and watch the trial or listen to the trial. And They also were not allowed to watch live streams of the trial. And so this was a major blow to the defense because Tammy, when she did take the stand, said that her son would have been an alibi for her um, when she said that on the stand that, of course, had to be stricken from the jury, but that was, you know, several witnesses that the defense did not get to have up there. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, Tammy takes the stand. We have a lot of jaw-dropping and testimony from her, but not long after that, attorneys give their final arguments to the jury.
3: She already knows something that I don't know, that this family is uncertain about, and that's that she was a nice girl. Past tense. Tammy made the ending she wanted. She could not have Heather pregnant in this county with a child belonging to her husband. I'm asking you all today to look at the evidence. And I want you to give Heather Elvis the ending, not that Tammy wants, but
2: that she deserves. Nancy Livesay, Ms. Livesay is going to say things and try to steer you back. But really, her case is really her theory of how this might, could have happened if you disregard a lot of things about it. And that's not a case. That's not proof beyond a reasonable doubt. The family needs closure, and I really wish they had maybe investigated and found out what happened instead of just latching on to the Moors, who are an easy target, just hang it on them. That's a miscarriage of justice.
0: So after a two-week trial, which is one of the longest trials in Horry County's history, that was not a murder case and denials of her involvement, Tammy was found guilty for kidnapping and conspiracy to kidnap Heather and was sentenced to 30 years in prison. We the jury found the defendant Tammy Casey Moore guilty of kidnapping.
2: She
1: knows where she's at. She knows where Heather is. She knows what happened to Heather, and she needs to tell what happened to Heather. I don't want kids to lose their mom and her go to jail. I don't want any of that. I want my job back. Being that you, Julie, covered Tammy's trial from day one, except for maybe one or two days, what was that experience like for you?
0: Yeah, so I, um, I was there, the whole time, it was Sydney's second trial that there was a couple of days that I missed. Um, it was a very interesting experience. I mean, it's a huge case and it's really rocked our entire community and everybody in the community you know, had their eyes on this case. It was also, you know, I, I talked to the Elvis family before this trial um, and it, it was hard for them. To sit and listen to this case and you have to think this isn't the first trial they've had to listen to all of this evidence this is now the second trial and several other hearings and they're just really wanting answers so and also you know i wasn't here when all of this happened and i try to do as much research about the case and information that we had before the trial but you know, I learned a lot about the case, and it was there was a lot of shocking moments in this trial, especially when Tammy did take the stand. Um, but it was definitely very interesting, and I think the hardest thing out of this entire case and covering these trials is at the end of the day, the Elvis family doesn't know where their daughter is. I guess these people are behind bars but they don't know where she is. And I don't know if and when they would ever find that out. And I think that is the, the hardest part. There's no nice bow wrapping up, you know, all of the details and everything like that. We just still don't know. So after Tammy's was convicted, the following year, in 2019, Sydney had his retrial and where prosecutors again laid out the same evidence, very similar evidence. But this time, they were able to show new surveillance video that was taken just days after Heather disappeared.
1: New video.
0: New surveillance video was able to come into play in this trial. And it shows the Moors and Tammy's sister, Ashley, extensively cleaning the truck and burning racks.
2: That black pickup truck, that black Ford F-150 is parked in the driveway and it is being cleaned extensively. The outside, particularly of the um, front doors and the, and the rear passenger doors, the interior crew compartment of that truck is being cleaned extensively. When I say extensively, it goes on for several hours of them cleaning the car. What also is fairly unusual to me is the rags that they're cleaning the car with.
0: We talked with 15th Circuit Solicitor, Jenny Richardson, after this trial about how that piece of evidence was able to make it into this trial, as opposed to the previous ones and its significance.
2: We had that uh, in the first few cases. Um, We were able to um, the, the last case, uh, get that into evidence, and I think to, um, to a degree that that was important to show, there, again, there's nothing wrong with um, washing a truck, but the timing and all of that, all of that is those circumstantial pieces that if you put together, point to only uh, the only person that could have done it.
0: Meanwhile, jurors only deliberated for two hours before finding Sidney Moore guilty of kidnapping Heather.
1: Two hours? Yeah, it it wasn't as
0: long, I guess, as may have suspected it would take. Also, his retrial was not certainly not as long as Tammy's, um, but only two hours to get a conviction.
1: Two hours. To me, sounds impressive. I don't know of a lot of court cases that have had two-hour jury jury verdicts. I don't know of any cases where that could have come faster. But like, I've heard of cases where it takes longer than two hours. Like the jurors go back and like they haven't decided, and now it's time for lunch, and or it takes days. Like two hours to me is. Yes.
0: <laughs> Especially um, when it comes to such a circumstantial case, right? In this case, the evidence is based on circumstantial evidence. There's no hard DNA of we found this, this, or this. Um, but I, again, that goes to the prosecution's point of that this timeline and what they set out is irrefutable. Um. But after that sentencing came down, Sydney addressed the court and spoke to the judge.
3: If I, if I could give them closure, I would. I mean, anything I tell them would be alive, There's nothing I can tell them to give them any closure. I understand I have children, um, I get it. There's just nothing I can give them for
2: closure.
0: Heather's family also pleaded to the court and to the judge to know where their daughter is.
2: At this point, you can give him a day. If you would just tell us where she's at.
0: Both Sydney and Tammy were sentenced to 30 years behind bars.
1: So that was it.
0: Well, not quite. So under South Carolina law, both of them had one year to after their conviction to come forward with a substantial piece of evidence to give the state to possibly get a lesser sentence. But this is what solicitor Jimmy Richardson said he would only accept.
2: I think we could easily get what happened. I could easily put together the story. Um, But that isn't enough. Um, For me, I've got to give the family something to bury.
0: So that time for both of them has passed. Their cases are currently in the appeals process. They also have a new attorney who says he plans to file a $100 million lawsuit proving the Moore's innocence. Um, And at the time of of taping this episode, he has not filed that yet. Um, We also talked to the solicitor just hours before that time limit was up for Sydney Warren.
2: It was always my goal to give uh, the Elvis's, their daughter back, to have a place for her to be buried. A year later, we have um, fallen short of that goal. Both of them are sitting in jail, and um, they're sitting in there for decades.
0: So for the solicitor's office, this case is over, but of course, If you or anybody knows anything about this case or has a tip, you can call police because they are still following up on any leads. And I know Heather's family continues to ask for that because they believe somebody in this area knows something. Thank you for watching or listening to this podcast. You can find all of our episodes online at WBTW and wherever you can find your podcast.
1: And stay tuned. We have more true crime coverage you can count on coming soon.
0: For Carolina's Missing and Murdered, I'm Julie Calhoun.
1: And I'm Adriana Seals.